This isn't Mance, but this is the gift of podcast. In fact, this is the king of the gift of podcast. All right, first things first, I do want to thank Mance for asking me to uh, guest host the show this week. It's been a while since I've been on. Uh, Life's been crazy, life's been different, but life has been pretty awesome, and I cannot complain. Uh, When he asked me to host, I was curious what I was going to talk about, because I'm not watching every wrestling every week, certainly not WWE. Uh, I did try to watch enough to kind of know what's going on when I was predicting against him for SummerSlam. And I did watch the week that AEW aired, uh, or debuted rather, and SmackDown uh, moved to Fox. I did watch that week just because it's such a big wrestling week and it was really fun. Uh, other than that, the only thing I've been faithfully watching is AEW, just because it's kind of captured my imagination. Uh, and that might even change soon because I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna have a place to watch it. But nonetheless, uh, what I thought would be fun, since it is a one-person show and there is less to talk about, and I'm not great at segment by segment breakdowns anyway, is to go ahead and do a uh, overview of what All Elite Wrestling has been for me, kind of been my journey with it, and how somehow against all odds it became. My favorite promotion? Question mark. Uh, so I thought that would be a fun thing to talk about that could fill some time and would fit my talking pattern better, for lack of a better term. Uh, so I remember when it started, I was curious, but I was mostly uninterested. Uh, I do not have any problems with any of the elite, but I've never been super into Ring of Honor or New Japan. Uh, there are a few members of that group that you know I thought were cool. Of course, I thought everything Cody Rhodes was doing was really cool. Would probably be the main one, but and I thought the fact that they all put on All In together was really cool. I thought Kenny Omega was an amazing wrestler, but maybe not my favorite, just because I'm more into the drama of it all than I am the the best bout machine, as it were. But uh, I was intrigued because it was a new promotion and it was big and I started to learn what the money behind it was. I even remember telling my wife and my friends about it, not even from like a standpoint like, oh, I can't, not even from a standpoint of, oh, I can't wait to watch this, but just from a standpoint of like the fact that there was a promotion with this many, you know, maybe not pop culture stars, but wrestling stars in it with this much money behind it especially once they started rumoring that TNA deal, and especially once that TNA deal, uh, not TNA, TNT. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Once that TNT deal was confirmed, uh, that that was a game changer. So because it had my curiosity, uh, and because looking on YouTube being the elite, and uh, the road to double or nothing uh, initially the road to double or nothing they ended up doing a road to series for basically everything but they were both super short and easy to watch in between calls at work unlike three hours of raw and two hours of smackdown and whatever like you can add on all the other stuff 205 live nxt but realistically those two shows that i'd be watching if i were trying to tune in completely to WWE, and that became a lot more digestible. 
because of that, I started realizing that, hey, I'm actually kind of into what they were doing, and I wish that I were not so cheap that I wouldn't buy, uh, that I wouldn't buy Double or Nothing, because the show looked really good. And I found that I was caring about who was going to win and who was going to lose. I found that I was excited uh, for the show because I was invested in the characters and what they were doing. And, uh, you know, you get JR on board as a commentator. Uh, some people say that his best days are behind him, which is probably true. Uh, but I still love listening to him more than almost anybody else, even if he doesn't have all the best info as he used to. And even if uh, he has to, uh, or not has to, but does get things wrong more often now. I, I just like his voice. I like his enthusiasm. I just like the way he makes the show feel like a big deal. Uh, and uh, so that was cool when they when they got him on board. Uh, but I think the game changer was when John Moxley debuted at Double or Nothing because uh, anybody who knows me knows that one of, one of, if not, okay, my favorite guy from like the current quote-unquote generation, depending on where you put a start and a stop on it, has always been, without a doubt, Dean Ambrose. Uh, even through his less-than-good days, I always managed to get excited about what he was doing. Uh, the way he delivers a promo has always just really connected with me. And I felt like... How do I put this? I, I always felt like... The undertones of what he was trying to uh, elaborate as part of his character, even in WWE, when he, what he wanted to be couldn't be on the forefront, always clicked with me and always got through to me and always made sense to me, even when he was just wacky Dean Ambrose to everybody else. So the fact that my favorite guy uh, was now going to be one of their main players and was going to be a little bit more of what I saw in him the whole time and a little bit more of maybe what he wanted to be in WWE was just going to amp up his game even more. And when I watched that debut, it was so hype. Uh, of course, I watched it on YouTube, but still, it was so exciting. The way it was executed was just perfection. Uh, and I think this is when the turn really starts to happen, and slowly I start thinking, do I actually like AEW more than WWE right now? Uh, I don't know. I think I might. Uh, so... Time goes on. I actually get a chance to watch the program a little bit. Uh, Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen, of course, were broadcasted for free. Uh, and one of those I even got to watch live because I was uh, my wife was out of town that weekend, so I had the TV to myself, as it were. And uh, the shows themselves, those two shows, I'm not sure what their other pay-per-views have been like, the ones you actually had to pay for, but they were too long for my taste, but no longer than WWE. Uh, the matches were definitely super high impact, super easy to get into. Uh, most of them, I'm, I'm not remembering all the matches right now, but most of them were not marquee matches per se. But what I liked about them is they use this as an opportunity to get me excited about watching people that I don't care about, uh, mix it up with people that I do care about. And that gave me a chance to like them more. Like for example, uh, that first match with Cody Rhodes made me a believer of Darby Allen. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, I think that's actually the next topic. Uh, but but it, it was good. And the wrestling was good. 
the production value at first uh, was lacking. And the production value to this day is obviously not as good as WWE's. But I personally do think now that their production value is as good as it should be to be a cable program. WWE is just the best at what they do in that regard. And there's no shame in being second fiddle to them uh, on on that metric. uh, Because they are now good enough. Uh, One thing I did notice is that anybody who had previously been a WWE guy knew how to work the camera, especially for their entrances, it seemed, more than uh, the non-WWE guys, which leads credence to the idea that Triple H and Daniel Bryan and other people have always said that NXT is cool. I think Daniel Bryan said that. Uh, Watch me be misquoted on that now. But... uh, (laughs) NXT helps people learn how to work the camera, and that really is a real skill, because I noticed that for some of the people in AEW, yeah, they what they did for the camera didn't pop as much if they didn't have that prior experience. Uh, so, so those were kind of my initial impressions of the what I actually did get to watch of an actual program for the first time, not just a weekly 5-minute, 10-minute, 15-minute YouTube video depending on which series it was and how long that particular episode happened to be. Uh, As far as new stars that AEW has been, I don't want to say created, but like have been featuring that they can kind of pin mark as more of their guys. I've got a few examples here that I wanted to talk about. I'm sure that somebody can point out some others that I've forgotten, but these are the ones who seem to have had the best spotlight and or utilize the spotlight to the best of their ability thus far. Uh, Not necessarily a comprehensive list. Now, the first one is a little bit of a cheat, uh, but it's uh, Hangman Adam Page. Uh, I know that compared to these other guys, Hangman Adam Page was already a wrestling star, perhaps a very minor one at that, but he had already been... uh, I'll put it this way. I knew what his name was before uh, WWE before AEW became a thing. However, uh, he was not a main eventer. And I do think that AEW has done a good job of trying to position them as their first main event guy that was a main eventer in their promotion and not somewhere else. Uh, I, uh, I really liked Hangman Page a lot more than I thought I would. I'm like, I don't care about some cowboy, but... The fact that he used to be a teacher makes him relatable because that means on some level, like he's kind of uh, like he he's he's not just like a cliche cowboy. Like he's layered. He's a real guy who happens to love cowboy cows and well horses, cowboy, and we're working on the farm. I sound like an idiot right now, but you know what I mean. He he is not just a one dimensional character. He's a real person, uh, and. He's definitely an all-around nice guy that it's really easy to get behind. He's an all-around nice guy that it's really easy to cheer for. And one thing that I really liked, I really liked about AEW versus WWE uh, is that, for the most part, they always make me want to cheer for the babyface, and they always make me want to want one person to win just really, really badly, even if you know that's not the person who needs to win from a booking standpoint. Uh, to put it in a different way, they've managed to make me stop being an armchair booker and start watching as a fan. And Hangman Page has been a big example of that. Uh, when he was going 
for the title against Chris Jericho, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that Jericho just had to be the winner. Uh, that's why I predicted him, and I believe Mance did not check. Uh, but it just made too much sense from a marketing standpoint. But none of that changed the fact that watching the build up to it, I just wanted him to win. Uh, the young upstart, just the most likable guy you could ever meet. And he was really good. Uh, but of course he didn't win, and that made me feel emotions as well, and that's awesome. Uh, and one, he one here that I'll just touch on real quick is, uh, I almost said Sammy Guevara. That's not his name. Uh, what's his name? Guevara. I just wrote down Guevara. How do I not have, is it Sammy? I'm looking this up right now. How do I not know that? It is, it's going to be Sammy. I'm going to feel so stupid. It is Sammy Guevara. What the heck was I thinking? Sammy Guevara. Uh, when I initially saw the match between, not saw, but saw that they were having the match between him and Darby Allen, I was like, okay, whatever. When I saw him wrestle, I was like, okay, you know, he's, he's fine. And to an extent, I still feel that way, but I think that working with Jericho is doing wonders for him and allowing him to, uh, take a place on the show that supersedes his talent. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean that he's been placed in a position he shouldn't be in. What I mean is he's been made to feel like a bigger deal than he should based off his talent alone. And that's good. That's good booking. Uh, I don't have a lot more to say past that. Uh, like I said, he's fine. Out of the four that I've got here, he's the one who's mostly just fine. Uh, but I, uh, I can't wait to see what he grows into. And I think they've done a great job booking him. Uh, Darby Allen was one. I said I was going to talk about him later, and here we are. Darby Allen, his character isn't necessarily for me, but I like the fact that in being weird and different, there's a story behind it. I do think they lay it on a little thick and remind you too much, kind of like the Britt Baker as a dentist thing. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, it is a cool backstory that makes sense for the fact that he dresses up the way that he does. Uh, but I think that in addition to that, what's really helped with him is the frickin' music. And the fact that I really think that being a former pro skateboarder has given him a style that no one else has. Because there are lots of high flyers out there. There are a lot of people who are super acrobatic. And when he moves... It's not even necessarily like that he's not acrobatic, but it doesn't look like something that would be done by a gymnast, right? Like it looks like he's just like a slippery, fast dude who's flying everywhere every second and throwing his body just like just tossing it into stuff. And like it, it's it kind of reminds me of like the uh the throwing caution to the wind of Jeff Hardy, but with a little more of the skill of like, for lack of, I can't think of any other guy right now, but like Ray Mysterio, but like, you know, any other high flyer, right? He, he definitely is just throwing himself out there. He's not performing like a 450 splash. Maybe he can, but that's not what like, that's not what I, I get from him. That's not the, that's not what I see most. Right. 
but he does it in a way that looks so elegant nonetheless. And I really think that it's these movements that he is just emulating from being a skateboarder, which is why no one else looks like him when they move. And maybe I'm giving it way too much credit. Maybe no one else sees him this way, uh, but I do. And while his character hasn't necessarily connected with me, I think it's cool. And I think that he is so different in the ring that uh, it's really, really uh, good for them to have a guy like that that's so young. And the last one I want to talk about is perhaps the best person they've had. Has not had the spotlight he's deserved up till now, uh, but I think that's for a reason. Uh, I'm talking about Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Uh, this guy, I, he's, he's 22, right? 24 at the oldest. He's something like that. He is so young. And he already has such a handle on his character. He keeps kayfabe alive, which is amazing. Uh, I think even the other day, someone tweeted something about how great he is at staying in character. And he requited it. And he's like, it's not a character, numb nuts. Oh, he's so good. Every time I watch him, I just can't wait to hear what he has to say next, the way he says it. Like, it's it's kind of bad because, like, in a way, like, used to if the person acted that way when Kayfabe really wasn't dead, even if the person was keep you know, regardless of the person keeping it alive, like, the audience wasn't in on it. Uh, so people can't hate them the way they properly should. Instead, the reaction I get from his heel work is sheer joy and laughter because he's just such a douchebag and it's so great like all the time uh and uh i guess it's working for somebody because maybe it was a plant i don't know but that beer that was tossed on him was just money it was money i saw that clip on twitter this weekend it was fantastic uh We'll talk maybe a bit more about this later, but I'm hoping after the quote-unquote heel turn, he's already a heel, but after uh, turning his back on Cody, uh, we're going to get to see a lot more of him. I think the reason he has not done anything of note on Dynamite up till now is because they were planning... They, they wa I thought it might have been just because they, were, they weren't trying to show their whole hand at once, which may be true, but I guess they were waiting for this specific incident to like, give him a real coming-out moment of being a star. And, you know, good for him, man. I, I cannot wait to see what he does this weekend on Dynamite. Uh, he is not just one of their best new stars. He is a reason to watch. And I love that. Uh, I've got a few notes here that I want to talk about from the first few weeks of All Elite Wrestling uh, television. Uh, the Inner Circle. Man, I wish they had done better writing for the justification of this stable. Uh, it really felt like a hodgepodge group of whoever's that was just thrown together in a stable because they thought it might look cool. Very similar to, uh, very similar to something TNA would do. Uh, but, uh, the group has done well for themselves. And I like that Jericho has a group of support around him that can really help him sell his, his bad guy, Le Champion gimmick. Uh, it's, it's fine. The debut made for a surprise. Uh, the story behind why they're together makes zero sense. Yeah, these people are all your best friends. They're your confidants, Chris Jericho. That's why we've never heard you mention any of them until now. Uh, so I, yeah, I have trouble getting past that one thing. But past that, I think that it served as a good story, uh, story device, plot device for Jericho. And I think they've done well as a group. I just hope they continue to flesh that out more. 
just because it had a crappy beginning doesn't mean it has to be crappy every week, and it hasn't been thus far. Uh, one thing I want to talk about, and I've already kind of touched on this, and this might be, uh, I'm going to try to get through uh, two more things before I go on break, because I'm going to have to come back and finish this on my next break, but uh, I've kind of touched on this, I believe, but one thing that AEW has really kind of shown me is they seem to be much more of uh, being about an in-ring product or a sports show than they do about the promos. Uh, I'll be honest, that is not my favorite. Uh, I understand it, and I think it was the right move for them, but I watch wrestling for the story. I watch wrestling for the drama. I watch wrestling for the promos. And while I can enjoy an amazing 30-minute match... I'm most likely only going to enjoy it if I really, really care about who wins and if the story leading up has been great. And I'll watch a great 20-minute promo, even if it has zero connection to anything else going on. Uh, And that's one thing that I do like better about WWE. Uh, But here's the thing, and I I mentioned this on an email to DDT Podcast, and I'll explain what I mean about it here as well. Uh, I like what WWE does better than I like what AEW does. But AEW does what they do so much better than WWE. And what I mean by that is WWE tries to be a drama. They try to be a soap opera. And AEW is trying to be a sports show primarily. They, they both do both. But they're both leaning into different parts of their identity. WWE leans into the sport or into the entertainment. AEW leads into the sports. Uh, but WWE's writing lately has been so lackluster that I don't really care who wins or what's going on, and there are a few promos that make me just have to tune in. Uh, AEW uh, does little of that. Seems like they've been doing more, especially with the main event. I wish they would let that leak into the mid-card, into the tag. I know Cody Rhodes doesn't like mid-card as a word, but I hope they let that leak into like the tag division and the uh, rest of the card besides the world title and the and all that good stuff. Uh, I don't watch the women's division just for personal and religious reasons, uh, but I'm glad they have it. Uh, so they seem to be doing more entertainment. I hope they do more of that with other people. Uh, but the writing's just so much better, and I understand why they're leaning into the sports side of it. And I'll admit it, the, the in-ring matches they have are good enough that I enjoy watching them more than I do watching most wrestling matches on Raw. Uh, but I still don't, like, I can still just kind of tune out and not care that much for a week-to-week match. It's pay-per-view matches I'm going to get into, which I'm not going to buy because they're $50. It's a topic for another day, even though I'm not going to be on this podcast again. Uh, I do like that wins and losses matter. Uh, I like that they have a ranking system. Uh, That does make me more likely to care about the matches week-to-week because they are actually, I I guarantee you, whoever, who is number, number one right now? Was it Pac? I think it was Pac. He may not be after he lost on Sunday. But I guarantee you, whoever the next number one contender is will be chosen based off of that ranking chart that they put up, uh, I believe, the morning of Full Gear. Uh, and I think that's really cool. I, I guess there's not really much to, much less to say about that. Uh, the one thing I'll say is this. A lot of people, a lot of uh, the old guard, as it were, in pro wrestling will tell you that wins and losses do not matter. Uh, And uh, All Elite Wrestling is telling you that they do. Uh, Here's my take. 
Wins and losses don't matter in the sense that you can make the audience believe whatever you want them to believe with the correct writing. And if you want to go a different route, you can just make it happen. Uh, but they do matter in the sense that they do affect the way we perceive a star. They affect their momentum. And if they do show up in a you know high-stakes situation, it does make it more believable. Uh, so while I definitely think you can definitely go the route of WWE and have a guy lose all year then make him a big deal at the end, uh, I think that thinking that these wins and losses don't have any effect kind of nullifies the whole basis of the plot of your show, which is uh, their competitors. So I very much prefer the wins and losses and having a win-loss record directly playing into the way that you book your show. Uh, and I think that's cool, even though I think that there there is a little bit of credence to the fact that wins and losses don't matter uh, in some respects and some definitions of the word. Uh, so uh, maybe I should have just cut off here and then let Mance splice them together. But I am who I am, and I'll let you take the peek behind the curtain. Uh, my lunch break is over in a minute, so I got to go. Uh, but I will be back to record the rest of this show uh, in a bit. Thank you so much, and I will be back. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Okay, and I'm back. Sorry, I'm not a professional, Mance. But hey, this is free labor. Just like every podcast you or I have ever recorded alone or together. Uh... <laughs> Uh, the last thing I want to talk about for the first few weeks of TV was the tag team tournament that All Elite Wrestling did. Uh, overall, I was super happy with it. Uh, my favorite part, well, two favorite parts in regards to results, I suppose. My favorite part about it was that Private Party went over the Young Bucks. I thought that was really cool because they've already said that you know the, the Private Party are their guys and uh, that's kind of like their pet project, right? So it was so cool that they would put them over like that, especially because it was a legitimate surprise. Uh, and uh, I, I almost wondered if they were going to go over the Lucha Brothers as well. Of course, they did not. But, uh, but yeah, that was really, really cool. And I also liked that SCU won because they seemed like a dark horse, but they're also credible enough that it matters uh, because... I really did not anticipate anyone other than the Young Bucks or the Lucha Brothers leaving this tournament as the tag team champions. And as far as the matches go, you know, I heard Doc Manson say it on DDT podcast. AEW thus far has really been the place for tag team wrestling. And that's cool. Uh, I like how amazing and fast paced and back and forth the matches were. They were really, really fun. Uh, like I said, I'm not into segment or segment breakdown. That's Mance. If you want me to talk about this specific kick or this specific flip, I don't remember any of it. All I know is I had fun watching it. And I was pleasantly surprised with the results because they really kept me on my toes. And I appreciate that. I'm also a big fan of SCU. I think they're fun. Uh, so, yeah, good job with the tag team tournament. Last thing I'm going to talk about a little bit is full gear. Now, I have not watched the the show because uh, I'm not shelling out $50 for it and even if it were $10 it's tough for me to find time to watch pay-per-views and stuff because uh, I do it mostly at work because uh, I like to spend my time at home with my family uh, but two rivalries I really want to talk about first one we'll talk about is uh, 
Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho. Uh, I think a lot of people were upset when they chose Cody to be the the first uh, contender for Jericho's title. But it made sense based off of their their own rules. He was the best person based off his win-loss record to move forward to that point, or at least as good as anybody else. And uh, I always kind of suspected that whoever Jericho's first opponent was going to be was going to be somebody that uh, was going to be somebody that could take the loss and help him rack up wins on his way. Because one thing talking about being more sports like that I do like about AEW, despite you know compared to WWE's being more on the entertainment side, is that we don't have to watch the same match three times in a row for long title reigns. And I don't know how long Jericho's title reign is going to be, but. It is nice knowing that now that we're done with Cody and Jericho, we can move on to something new, building towards the next pay-per-view. And I'm sure he'll have minor contenders like Darby Allen in the meantime. In fact, I said Cody was the first contender. I guess Darby Allen was the first contender. But Cody was the first one they announced. Uh, so that was cool. As far as the rivalry itself, they did a great job. Uh, there, This is probably something that should have had its own entire category of me to talk about, but the digs at WWE and vice versa, I don't want to get sidetracked on this. Uh, suffice to say, I have no problem with a dig at WWE in the name of competition and just kind of like, ah, I got you there, whatever. Uh, but it's kind of nauseating if it's everywhere. Uh, but I, even then I can still forgive it. But there was one line where Cody, it was when Jericho was heckling him with the uh, air horns and Cody was going to make a career-changing announcement. And Cody goes, this isn't like that place that we came from, Jericho. There's nothing stopping me from coming through the crowd and beating you up, or whatever he said. He probably said it way cooler than that. But, but I just thought that was so silly, because... I get that maybe you like the freedom you don't have in WWE. I get that taking edgy jabs at it might really resonate with your fan base. But at least have it make sense. Like, you without a doubt could have done that in WWE. There are brawls that go through the audience all the time. Like, when I say all the time, I don't mean every week. But it is not so crazy that if it happened, like, I'd just be shocked. Like, how did that ever happen? So that was just kind of silly to me. But uh, their exchanges were always very good. I like the that they found a framework for it, that he was an entitled millennial and Cody was saying that he's fought for everything that he's ever had. Uh, they had a lot of good exchanges, and that last promo uh, was probably Cody Rhodes' best promo of his entire career. Uh, absolutely loved it, really drawing on real-life experiences and emotions and really put it out there. Uh, in terms of like making a big stipulation that makes people care about the match. I can only imagine how that reflected in actually watching the match. And then, of course, having uh, MJF throw in the towel is the perfect out to that because title doesn't have to change hands yet, but Cody can still compete later on. Uh, it just goes to show that it's okay to have a match that ends in shenanigans if it's not every match. It makes it a lot more digestible. Uh, and that never bothered me as much with WWE as it did some people anyway, but like, I, I like that AEW is not afraid to do that, because I was worried they might be, and that can make it hard to sell the drama, sell the story. So all in all, I was really excited with that. 
then John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. This is the other match I want to talk about because, of course, it's with my guy. And my guy was facing the guy when it comes to having an amazing match. And I'll tell you what. So when this was originally announced for uh, All Out, I was super duper into the idea. Uh, solely for the fact that it was my guy versus the guy to have a great match with. And I was just like, oh, this is going to help people see him in a new light. It's going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome. And then, of course, uh, John Moxley has the injuries. They have to uh, put it off. And I was pretty bummed out. I don't know why, because I wasn't watching all that either, because I wasn't paying 50 bucks for it. Uh, but, but I was still really bummed out, because I was looking forward to that match more than any other match on that card. Uh, and... As it turned out, it ended up being the best thing in the world for that match. Because that went from being a match that I was just excited about because of the people in it. And they had done a good job promoting it. Like, just as good as they do everything. Just like every other match, I cared about who won. Because they had a simple, short, but effective framework to put the match in. To make you realize why these people are fighting and who should win or lose. Or so on and so forth. Why should I care? That was already there. But then the jabs that Kenny Omega took at John Moxley in that video after he announced he couldn't be in the match anymore, I thought that was phenomenal work from Kenny Omega. And as a person who actually is a mark for John Moxley, it really made me like mad at him, right? Like, obviously, I can distinguish from the two and understand that he was working the crowd and doing a great job at it. But by the same token, the fact that he did such an effect that I was, I was like pissed at Kenny Omega. Uh, and that just made me want to see the match more. Uh, and I do think their actual buildup on Dynamite was a little bit too much of just an exchange of brawls. But they also had some great promo work. Uh, just not as much as I would have liked. But every promo they did have was amazing. Uh, uh, like, save for the promo that Cody Rhodes gave on the Go Home uh, episode of Dynamite for him and Jericho best promo work they've been doing when they are showing something from them. And that's exciting for me because that's what I like. Uh, but then that video package that they showed, I'm guessing it showed a promo that maybe I missed from the episode of Dynamite that I didn't finish because there were some words from John Moxley that I hadn't heard before uh, regarding it being a non-sanctioned match and him being upset about it. Which, by the way, uh, the segment where he went in and he was talking to Tony Khan, people gave it crap because Tony Khan said he wasn't going to be an on-screen character. Well, newsflash. He was not on screen. He was off screen. That is far from becoming a character on television. Everybody knows that he's there. Everybody knows what it is. It was a very easy thing to like sh really make John Moxley look like a million bucks and look like a badass. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, and Mance, I apologize. I've used mildly colorful language. I think that's still within our parameters, but it's been so long, I barely even thought about it at first. But I think that those are all... PG or at least PG-13 friendly. Uh, I don't have much of a mouth. Uh, but he looked he looked awesome. Uh, and of course, back to the video package. In that promo, he was talking about how he uh, they wanted to put him in a box and they wanted to keep him you know, out of the light of day. And I love that because uh, somebody, I forgot who tweeted on Twitter, but it, somebody said that it really feels like you're just Team Cody or Team Jericho at this point. I feel like that might go down a little bit now that it's not Cody versus Jericho, but there is some truth to that. And John Moxley really just feels like 
He feels like the renegade, right? Like the lone wolf. And like out of all the people who are a big deal, he's the person not aligned with anybody. And I think that makes for a really interesting dynamic. Then, of course, his past with hardcore matches and weapons, you know, they, they, they view him as unsafe. It's really a great way of selling what WWE always wanted to market him as, unstable, but in a way that actually makes him look like a competent person and not just a silly goofball. Which, by the way, I love the silly goofball. Uh, he said it himself. He's great at the comedy, and he didn't mind doing it. It was just that once WWE realized that he could do that well, that's all he wa- they wanted him to do. Uh, but I-, I love the way they sold it. And, uh, of course, I'm happy that he won. I didn't read about how he won. I don't know what all happened there. But uh, I'm glad he won because he's my guy. Uh, so that's all for me. Uh, I might even get back a little late from this break, but that's okay. Uh, I do want to plug a few things. Make sure you follow Mance at Gift of Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you follow Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter. And make sure that you uh, send them a few shekels on patreon.com slash Wrestle Addict Radio. Uh, make sure that you vote for the Gift of Podcast as the best solo and most informative in the Wrestle Hub Awards. And of course, if you want to follow me, I am at TC Clockworth. Uh, I don't have a podcast right now, though this is making me want to just podcast on my lunch and scream into the void even if no one listens. Maybe not about wrestling, but about whatever, because I'm having fun doing it. But I wouldn't hold your breath, because I said I was going to do a blog, too, and we see how that worked out. Uh, but you can follow me at TC Clockworth. I'm always, treat, uh, it's, uh, I'm always tweeting something about wrestling or Pokemon or Nintendo, so you can at least converse with me there. Uh, but yeah, add Gifted Podcast at Addict underscore Wrestle, Patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio, and vote for Gifted Podcast as the best solo and most informative show in the Wrestle Hub Awards. Thank you so much for having me, Mance. It has been a pleasure to scream at my phone in my car while at work. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Bye.